Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way and Jeff Howe with you. Cam Parker, producer. Some cleanup from hour number one. Some Quite a bit of uh, cleanup here. Nate saying, have you guys ever seen the Barney documentary? I love you. You hate me. I haven't seen I haven't it. seen the documentary. I saw like some kind of preview for it. Yeah. I forget where it was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, D-Fry saying, never play that song again, please. You're, you're willing to offer D-Fry a choice here. Yeah. You can either have, uh, I don't want to say the name of the promo, but you can have either, we can eliminate it to the Barney song or Isaiah's rap promo. One or the other has to go. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, and, uh, you know, Zay, uh, a little salty yesterday morning when he was he was on there talking about that. He said, y'all be laying off of me. Lay I up. like it. I like it. Oh, I, I do too. I had, had some fun with, it, but I I liked it as well. He was t- he was telling Bucky, "I can sing better than you can, Mister Golden Chick." All right, that's not saying a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, female listener number seventeen says, "Worlds colliding when Jay Bills was involved in a lawsuit with Barney." So you had had <laughs> you had that as well, but uh, yeah. So that was uh, that was the deal with that. Um, it was Ardell that says, "Damn it, keep Barney then." <laughs> no, wow. Zay is staying. Okay. Zay stays in the rotation. Yeah, I don't know that we'll ever have a reason to play the Barney song again. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm good with us not. Has there ever been a child's character or child? I don't know what the right term is, like a child show character that's been more hated than Barney. Teletubbies. Uh, Teletubbies. Oh. I don't know that the the vitriol toward Teletubbies was as bad as it was for Barney. I was pretty creeped out. Got to tell you, I was kind now, of te- creeped te- out. Teletubbies or Barney or both? Uh, more Teletubbies. But Barney, I'd gotten a little bit older, and my kids were into it. And it's a purple dinosaur, and you know, it's just trying to get along with people. The Teletubby thing, you know, we're never quite sure. You know uh, what? What they were all about? What Poe was up to? You know, <laughs> Teletubbies had a son of a baby's face in the sky. Jeff, I mean, yeah, that was weird. I that was va- just weird. I vaguely remember my niece that was the British humor at work but... there. You know, just, oh, it was, it was a British show. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. that explains a lot. Then. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> what do you mean, Cam? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it made no yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> It was very strange. My kids, uh, and again, my two older kids, uh, like because it it preceded or was around the time of of Barney. But anyway, they 
they they kind of laughed at him even even as they were little kids they thought it was kind of weird you know that kind of did and um my youngest jason was uh, laurie dressed him up as what was the purple one's name Pose. The name of the Teletubbies? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know yeah, their name. I have to throw it in the Google machine. Yeah. Here. The purple one? Uh, yeah. Demo? Uh, no. But it, anyway, she dressed him up as that. Uh, like, <laughs> Deep Fried Teletubbies were creepy as hell. Barney was just weird. Yeah, I think there's another. Uh, Tinky Winky was the purple one. Yeah. That's what it says. Okay, and, and red one was Poe, and then the yellow was Lala, was it? Let's see. Lala was... Why, did, why can't you just give me the color? Yeah, yellow. And, yellow. and then the and then the other one, uh, Dipsy was green. Was green. Dipsy. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Dipsy, Tinky, uh, Tinky Winky, Lala, and Poe. You think any kids were named after any of those characters? Boy, yeah, I, hope I hope not. not. <laughs> I hope not. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, that was kind of. Uh, it's kind of my response when some again one of my friends asked me, "Man, you you ever think they'll name something that Florence ISD after you?" It was just immediately like, "God, I hope not." You know, uh, female listener seventeen said uh, it's uh, is made on acid for people on acid, but uh, uh, or, or Doogie said that, and uh, and and female listener seventeen said it, it's a Monty Python primer. <laughs> uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was it was it was strange. It really was. But I could see where small children would definitely be attracted to it. With the colors and lights and sound of those creatures, those friendly creatures. But you're right, that baby up in the sky thing, that was... That what, was what's the of, age range it's going for? That's got to be a four to seven range, you would think, maybe. Mm, I would hope not blues. much beyond that. See, my show growing up was Blue's Clues. Okay. Yep. And Dora. Steve. And so Teletubbies uh, between the ages of one and four. Okay. Yeah. That, makes that sense. probably makes more sense. Yeah. Uh, my youngest, Jason, he was he was in the door like you. Yeah. Were. In fact, in fact, uh, when he was younger, uh, this my youngest, and uh, uh, I chatted with him last night. In fact, when he's up in, uh, up in school um, at Wichita Falls at Midwestern State. When he was younger... We had to have what's called a frenulumectomy done because the little thing underneath your tongue yeah. was like too long, so mm-hmm. it had to be. It had, so, he, so as a result, had to get it clipped back. Yep, yeah. yep. Had it. So he had a little speech impediment for a time, and I'll never forget this. We're going to the beach, uh, driving to North Carolina, and this was one of the deals where the the guys went first, and then the women flew. So I'm like driving with Andy and Jason in the car, and Jason is like. Uh, he just turned four, and he kept saying something over and over again, and we didn't know what it was he kept saying, and and I thought, where did he get this up? It sounded like he was saying white or no whitey, and I was like, okay, that doesn't sound good. No. Why is he <laughs> going white or no whitey? What is he saying? Why is he saying that? We get down to the get down to the the beach house we're renting. And we're and we're there watching it, and Dora the Explorer comes on, and all of a sudden, we see Swiper no swiping, oh, Swiper yes. no. So we said, "That's it." <laughs> He's saying Swiper no swiping, and he like looked at us like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." It, it sounded like white or no whitey. It was like Swiper no swiping. That's there's what a, that was from from Dora the Explorer. There's a YouTube series I came across. I can't remember what it was, but uh, it's basically like somebody 
took a spin on like all these child characters like Dora and Caillou and Arthur. Yeah. And basically what it's like if they were grown up and in the real world, but like mentally they never uh-huh. evolved. It's pretty hilarious. You know, um, uh, back in the days, what was it? What's the enemy one? Franklin, the one with the turtle? Yes. Uh-huh. And they had their little theme song. Where we go, hey, it's Franklin. It would start off like that. For a time, for a time, uh, when we would get highlights on High School Scoreboard Live, it would pop up and I'd go, hey, it's Franklin. <laughs> Franklin, it, that was before they became the dynastic program that Mark yeah. Fannin has built them into uh, over in Robertson County. See, I remember when my niece was was younger and she would watch some of those kids' shows. And, and I, it'd be really, it, it was like some of the Teletubby stuff. You're like, what in the hell am yeah, I watching? Sure. But, like, I don't know if it's just that I'm older and I've been exposed to more, but, like, when Charlotte watches TV, there's a lot less of that. I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This is, this is yeah. fine. I think it's evolved a little bit. Uh, uh, <laughs> what makes the Teletubbies even creepier is that they're gigantic. The purple one's 10 feet tall. And, again, when Jason was little, um, uh, I think it was my mother-in-law that actually made the costume, or they got the costume for him, and he was in the, the purple tinky-winky costume there uh, for that. Uh Tom says, I grew up with Electric Company, which, along with Morgan Freeman and Rita Moreno, featured the creepiest character of them all, Bill Cosby. You had that. Yeah. If we only knew then what we knew now. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. What we know now. Yeah. Right yeah. You know. And then uh, somebody said, wasn't uh, <laughs> a brown Teletubby named Poopsie? It would have worked. <laughs> but it did not. It did not. Uh and somebody said, geez, I'm getting old. My my show was Captain Kangaroo. You think about Captain Kangaroo. And that show was on, I believe, 23 years. Uh, Bob Keeshan, who got his start as Clarabelle the Clown on uh, on the Howdy Doody program back in the 50s. But uh, you had Captain Kangaroo. You had Mr. Green Jeans. Bunny Rabbit. You know, you had that. Uh, 29 years. 29 years for Captain King. 1955 to 1984. And he had a haircut exactly like Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders. <laughs> like the Jim Carrey bowl cut from yes. Dumb and Dumber? Just like that, Captain Kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we watched it. Like the little, little training, all the ping pong ball dropping. That, that was the thing that was watching. And then, of course, Sesame Street was, you know, the was the... That was really the standard bearer. Uh, yeah, pretty uh, much. That was that was mine. Sesame Street, Mister Rogers. That was pretty much. So pretty much all I remember. Somebody said uh, the banana splits. Uh, you know, Zoom, which was out of Boston. <laughs> uh, uh, and then it said, uh, I "Bet Craig remembers Captain." A. Absolutely, I do. The yeah. only thing I know about Zoom is the uh, the Inception South Park episode where Mister Mackey goes back and he's a kid again and he's in his room watching Zoom and playing with the light bright. Yeah. Uh, somebody said, don't forget Yo Gabba Gabba. I remember that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there was, yeah, lots of, lots of kid shows that hit a, hit a big crescendo, I think, in the 90s and into the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like you said, your your daughter watches a lot of uh, a lot of Disney. The Disney Junior, Junior stuff we're going through right now. Yeah, she loves that. Uh, I think it's called Spidey and His Amazing Friends. Yeah. So it's like basically like a kid's version of Spider-Man and Ghost Spider and Spin and Every now and then I'll hear about what Iron Man did or what Hulk did today. So, Yeah. I enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Bozo the Clown. When I, when I was growing up in Greensboro, um, <laughs> we had a local version, uh, local TV, Bozo the Clown. It's like one of those those shows that you see local with the mm-hmm. with the uh, host. And, and uh, my younger brother and I were actually on the show in a group oh, of yeah. kids. In a group of kids there. And ours was called Limbo the Clown uh, there. 
Um, so, yeah, all, all of those. Things. Folks in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex will remember Mr. Peppermint, uh, that show, uh, with Jerry. Uh, with uh, No. B-O-Z-O. Sorry. You've never heard of Bozo the Clown? No. Yeah, I, I, sure you could. Like Joseph Your, Romper uh, Room, that was another one of those. Yeah, your, your good friend George Dunham does a very, very fine Mr. Peppermint yeah. impression. Yeah, Mr. Pop, Mr. Peppermint, who uh, Jerry Haynes, no longer with us. His son was the lead singer in the Butthole Surfers. No way. Yep, or was in the band. Was in the band. Okay, so we've had an Ivan Putsky. We've had an Ivan Putsky story today. We've had. Mm-hmm. Talk Teletubbies, Barney, Barney, mm-hmm. and a butthole surfer's yeah. reference. Yeah, yeah, see, That's yeah. pretty much that. Pretty much sums up this show, right? How Just in about a nutshell. That for your bingo card for, and we even day. get squeezed in some Longhorn basketball. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the, the Longhorns, despite the loss, still uh, uh, you said what? Only dropped one spot in the Ken Palm, the number nine. Yeah, they're down to nine in Ken Palm, and I just checked the net. They're nine in the net, also down two spots. Tech, I don't know what they moved up in Ken Palm. Tech, 63 in Ken Palm. They moved up 10 spots in the net rankings from 70 to 60. Well, it helped them a great deal. Um, I heard Aaron talking about this this morning, uh, it, it, you know, about them trying to maybe make a push to see if they can get in the NCAA tournament. They could be a tough team. They're 14-12, and 12 and they're 3-10 and 10 in the league, so they're going to have to go a ways. They're really going to have to get hot, and maybe even if they don't win the Big 12 tournament, get at least get a, uh, get a good run yeah. in the tournament to get to that point. I'd but, say they're still well on the outside looking in. Because even, even with, the, with the Texas win, Craig, even, even with their win over Iowa State, too, in K-State. So they've got three three wins. Those are their only three quad one or quad two wins. They're three and eleven in quad one and quad two games. There were already there were conversation. I read a piece yesterday about how West Virginia was running out of time to pick up quad one wins mm-hmm. and had another opportunity to get away from last night. Not really get away. That Baylor largely dominated the game. They ended up losing. But like one. if you look at the rest of the league, right? In, in quad one and two games, Texas nine quad one wins. Uh, they are eleven and six in the top two quadrants. Uh, Baylor nine quad one wins. They are twelve and six. Uh, Kansas eleven quad one wins. They are fourteen and five. Uh, you go all the way down. Even uh, TCU. TCU's got five quad one wins. They are eight and seven in the top two quadrants. And then it falls off after that. But Oklahoma State. This is why Oklahoma State's still in at four quad one wins. They're seven and eight in the top yep. two quadrants. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, Tech and and even I mean to compare Tech like. Oklahoma has this. Oklahoma actually has more wins in the top two quadrants than Texas Tech does right now. Um, I'm going to let you pull up Jerry Palms' uh, bracketology. Uh, Joe Lenardi had updated his this morning. I don't know if Jerry updates his daily. I know yes, going into yesterday, he yep. had Texas as a one seed. Yeah. Uh, today, this morning, uh, on uh, uh, Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology, he. Uh, has Texas as a two seed uh, and has had them in a two seed, did not have them moving up or down. He's got them as a two seed playing in Denver. Uh, this would be interesting if it turned out this way, Jeff. He has them playing UNC Asheville, which, of course, is coached by former Longhorn assistant coach Mike Morrell mm-hmm. uh, in a two fifteen matchup. If they win that, they would play the winner of a seven ten matchup, according to Lenardi, in Denver between San Diego State and Texas A&M. With the Aggies as a 10 seed there. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, his four number ones are Alabama, Purdue, Kansas, and Houston. So would would be the ones there. Uh, last four by still has West Virginia getting in. Uh, in other words, yeah. not having to go to Dayton. Yeah, uh, uh, Jer- Jerry had West Virginia in Dayton as one of the last four in. Going into the week, Jerry said Jerry only updates his every Monday. Gotcha. But his Jerry's first four out going into yesterday were Kentucky, A&M, Arizona State, and Oregon. Uh, he has eight, uh, Lenardi has eight Big 12 teams in the field. So, um, uh, obviously, as I mentioned, Kansas he has as a one in Texas as a two. He's got Oklahoma State in the field and on the way up as an eight uh, in uh, in Columbus. Uh, Kansas is a one in Des Moines in the East region. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, oh, he's got Iowa State as a four in the West region. TCU is a six uh, in the uh, East. West Virginia is a ten in the East. Uh, Kansas State is a three uh, in Des Moines in the West. So. I think the only thing that differentiated there on the Jerry Palm bracket from yesterday, he's got Iowa State as a five. Didn't you say Lenardi has him as a four right now? I believe that's correct. Yeah, Jerry's got him. Jerry had him as a five. Yeah. Everything else, and, and Jerry had Texas as a one. Lenardi's got him in his. Well, they're kind of on the line because he's got Iowa State as a four, but he's got the arrow down, meaning they're okay. sliding toward. The five, and how about this? If this turned out to be this the first round matchup, Iowa State against Drake from right there in Des Moines. You know what? But like, they wouldn't play it in Des Moines, according to his projection. He they would be in Albany. You mentioned that uh, that hypothetical two two slash seven ten matchup Texas yeah. could be in. How about this? If you're U of H, this is the Jerry Palm bracket. You'd play Colgate in that two in the two fifteen. Then your second round game in Des Moines. Yeah. You get the winner of Duke and Auburn. It's funny. It's funny. Uh, Lenardi has Houston's one playing A&M Corpus in the first round in Birmingham, then facing the winner of an 8-9 matchup between the 8-seed Providence and the 9-Duke. So Duke Man, involved in that if it happened. Those, Providence is one of those teams I, I wouldn't want to see in my brain. I think, Ed, yeah, it's Cooley, a dangerous I think team. Ed Cooley does a really good job. Yep, I agree with you. Uh and Ed Cooley does a really good job and never gets talked about being a candidate for to move up for uh, you know higher power six jobs or more prestigious power six jobs. Yeah. He's done a really good job at that Providence program. By the way, I left out Baylor. Uh, has Baylor as a two seed in Denver uh, uh, playing in the South. That's exactly region. where Jerry Palm had Baylor going into the week. See, there, and it's interesting when those are the two major – bracketologist and uh, and when they're kind of aligned together it makes you wonder by the way uh um this was yesterday so it was before the texas loss andy katz for nca.com had texas as a one and has the big 12 with eight teams uh like lenardi texas kansas baylor k-state iowa state tcu oklahoma state and west virginia um and he has a, he had texas as the one in the west but again that was Yesterday it was before the Longhorn loss, and and I thought they were pretty much right on the one seed, two seed uh, line. So you'd say probably right now slid back maybe into the two. Jerry Palm had Texas as his fourth number one. Yeah, so right. So there you go. And and real quick, uh, Texer Texas says if Tech runs the table and gets to eight and ten in the league, they would have to be considered. Yeah, but here's the rest of Tech's schedule. That is correct. I do agree, by the way, with the texter about that. Here's I do. The, here's, here's what's left on Tech's schedule. 
your road games, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Kansas, host TCU, host Oklahoma State in the regular season. Wow. Yeah. They, now, if you run the table against that schedule, you're then, in. then yes. You're in. You're in. The, the thing is, Tech has not won a road conference game yet. Your probability of running the table against that schedule, not great. So we'll see. If they if they play that well, yeah. They've got, the, as well as Davion Harmon played last night, and he has played outstanding. They really need to get Pop Isaacs back if they can. That's a Let mu- him run the point. You know what, Craig, though? Tech going to Morgantown, that's about as that's a must win for West Virginia at this point because they're right yeah. on the bubble. And they, and and they already won in Lubbock. They're on the I think they're on the right side of the bubble right now, but yeah. they they need all the wins they can rack up at this point. Totally agree. All right. Uh coming up we'll have our Flex thirty update and uh, we'll have another Longhorn notebook coming up this hour here on Light the Tower on the Horn, one oh four nine, one oh one nine, AM twelve sixty. We're live, local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Craig Webb and Jeff Howe light the tower. This is like the Tower on the Horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you on this Valentine's Day. Hope it's off to a good start for you. Before we get to our second hour Longhorn Notebook, it is time for our Flex 30 update. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the Horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by... Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit BrainVault.com and join the movement. Playoff time. The uh, At least for uh, girls basketball and boys get underway next week. But there was playoff action last night. Vista Ridge, one of the teams to watch on the girls' side, got 17 points, 11 rebounds, 5 steals, and 3 block shots from a sophomore. Kiana Warmly, and they beat Bowie in the by district round 51-37. They played that over at McNeil, and so they move on now to the uh, area round of the playoffs. So uh, Vista's on uh, through to the next round, and uh, they will uh, take on uh, the winner of a matchup in San Antonio tonight. So a... Uh, a lot of the games, by the way, are scheduled for tonight, but there were a few games, and, and that game tonight is uh, Lady Bird Johnson of San Antonio against San Antonio East Central. They're going to play the winner of that in the area round. Uh, but uh, there were other games, like Pflugerville beat Travis last night, uh, 64-25. Hendrickson beat Navarro, uh, 89-24. Uh, Round Rock beat Westlake last night in by district, 43-35. And that was the Dragons' 26th win of the season, tying the 26 wins from Round Rock's 88-89 team. The first playoff win 
for Round Rock since that same season, Doug Davalos, the uh, coach there of the Round Rock girls. Mm-hmm. So uh, there is your flex hey, real update. quick, Craig, yep. just one note on the uh, on the boys' side. Shout out to program in my neck of the woods. San Marcos High, 33-3. and You've talked about them being a, a sneaky team that could get out of Region 4. 33-3, uh, going for an outright district championship tonight, hosting East Central out of San Antonio. There you go. All right. Uh, how, so, about, uh, how about Malik Presley right now? We talked about yeah. him being healthy and back. Oh, yeah. How about averaging 20.6 points and 9.6 rebounds, 4.1 assists, 1.7 steals per game for wow. the Rattlers right now? Impressive stuff for San Marcos there. All right, there's your Flex 30 update. Let's move it on forward and get to our second hour notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. I want to bring up something that I don't want to spend too much time on, and then I want that's going to roll into something that I really want to get your take on. I think I know where you're going to go with this, Craig, okay. but I want to see if okay. you take this ride with me. Uh, my colleague Brad Crawford, using the help of uh, College Football News, Rank the uh, we got this on it's on the side of Horns twenty four seven ranking the toughest schedules in the Big Twelve in twenty twenty three. Would you like to know where Texas schedule came in, Craig? Yeah, tell me. Right in the middle, number five. Uh, Rice at Bama, Wyoming, and then your conference late at Baylor, home against Kansas, the OU game at Houston, BYU at home, K State at home at TCU at Iowa State, and then Texas Tech at home. Basically, it comes down to. Texas only has to leave the state twice this year to play a football game. They have to leave it to go to Tuscaloosa. They have to leave it to go to Ames uh, later in the year. Uh, the toughest schedule in the conference right now, according to College Football News, and we break this down, our, our guys at 24-7 Sports mm-hmm. too. Man, I don't know what West Virginia was thinking. You remember some of those old Colorado schedules back in the day that Gary Barnett would put together? It's like, dude, like, what, what were the Indianapolis Colts not available? Like, what are you doing? You go to Michigan. Uh, you go to all those places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, West Virginia's non-conference schedule in basically a make-or-break year for Neil Brown, which I think a lot of people were surprised that he got another year. They're at Penn State, host Duquesne, then host Pitt. Wow. Then their conference schedule, road trips are Tech, Houston, UCF, Oklahoma, and Baylor. Home games against TCU, Oklahoma State, BYU, and Cincinnati. Why, did you say that they play back-to-back games against schools from the city of Pittsburgh, Duquesne and Pitt? Mm-hmm. <laughs> At home. Yeah. At home. Yeah. It's an odd schedule. Yeah. So Texas right in the middle with five. And the Big 12, with the 14-team expansion for this one year before Texas and OU leave for the SEC, playing nine conference games. And I'm, I'm assuming the Big 12 is going to keep a nine-game conference format. And I like the nine-game conference format. There's a lot of discussion, Craig, about what should the SEC do. I've actually seen some people in the Twitterverse and in the message board world that really think the SEC should stay at eight conference games. <sighs> My thing is, if you didn't expand to go to nine conference games, then, then what, are, what, are, what are you doing? What are yeah. you doing? Yeah. There's no reason why the SEC should play fewer than nine conference games, right? I totally agree. Okay. And I think that it's uh, based on what some of the athletic directors have said and some of the scheduling predictions you've seen out there, it really sounds like they're going to go with that 3-6 model or 3-6-6 where you got the three permanent opponents and then the other six you're going to ro- – the other ones you're going to rotate right. on whatever, a biannual basis or whatever – Sounds like the three permanent opponents for Texas, or the yeah the two the permanent opponents for Texas are going to be Arkansas, 
Oklahoma, and Texas A&M. Yep. Which Makes I think, sense. I think a lot of Texas fans would, could get down with that. Yep. You're, you, you're changing leagues. You're getting more money. It's a better place probably long-term in terms of stability for your program. And you get your what a lot of people would consider your three primary rivals on the schedule every year. I want to know who the three for Alabama will be. I know two of them would be Auburn and Tennessee. Yeah, the, would the, LSU be the third? Probably. Especially, I think it frees up to be LSU, especially with Greg Sankey talking about they're going to to the one division format. Mm-hmm. He says he thinks that's where the scheduling is going. And if you're going to one division, I don't know why you wouldn't do nine conference games. I really hope that's not a valid discussion point. But are the higher ups in the SEC thinking, oh, well, can we stay at eight? No, just do nine, do nine. That's what you did this for. It's for TV inventory. We don't need the FCS week in the don't middle of see, November. Don't need to see Mercer on the schedule for anybody or Western Carolina. Yeah. E- even even uh, bottom rung FBS teams like UMass. <laughs> don't need to see that. Like if I'm an A&M there. fan, what incentive do I have? Regardless of what the record was last year, right? Like, what incentive do you have, the, the opponent you just mentioned, to you know play these SEC games and you're playing high-quality opponents and then penultimate weekend of the regular season you're hosting UMass? Yeah. No juice for that. No. You're just giving somebody a payday. Mm-hmm. So just keep the money within the conference, let the TV inventory rise. So I figured you would be on, yep. on board with me Absolutely. for going non-conference games. Uh, I'm guessing you're down with those three permanent opponents, yep. too? The yep. Aggies, the Razorbacks, and the Sooners? It's It's logical. Makes sense. Uh, certainly, we hope for for A uh, and M to be on it. You know, Oklahoma is going to be on it, and and for Arkansas, it makes sense. So, yeah. I want to ask you this: Let's take away those three, and I think everybody listening to this at this point is cool with the A and M game coming back. In fact, some people want it back. Mm-hmm. You realize kind of the void Thanksgiving weekend when that game's mm-hmm. not on the schedule. And it's been, you know, it was fun going to Fayetteville last year with the vitriol and everything. And it, it was, you know, for pretty much it was one of those game day weekend, game weekends where it's like, man, everything was great up until kickoff. And then, you know, whatever happened happened. You're replacing vitriolic fans from Texas Tech with vitriolic fans from Arkansas. Pretty That's much. just how that works. Um, what, what matchups outside of the three permanent rivals excite you? Like, who really... What what would what would intrigue you the most to see on a Texas SEC schedule? And, and before I answer this, for for those who hear me answer this, you know, I, I'm not asking you to. Uh, you, you're certainly free to do what you want, but I'm not asking uh, for you to then respond on the text like you get. They're not ready for this. They're not ready for this. They're, they're not playing in the SEC yet. <laughs> We're talking about down the road, right. okay? Uh, the games that I would like. Uh, I'd like to see him. I, obviously, we're going to see him go to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'd like to. I thought I was going to get an opportunity to call a game in Baton Rouge. That mm-hmm. didn't happen. So I'd like to see him play at LSU. Uh, when I was in Knoxville for the basketball game, I was thinking it'd be nice to call a game there uh, in uh, at Neyland Stadium mm-hmm. in Knoxville. Uh, for me, this will have zero zero interest, pull, tug, or anything. For Longhorn fans, but for me, growing up where I go and where I go on vacation, I like to see him play a game in Columbia at South Carolina, yeah. only because I haven't had a chance to call a game there. But I get, I understand what folks go, you know, doesn't mix it. The swamp in games will be fun. It was great going to the Grove, you know, going oh, to Ole Miss, awesome, yeah. and and maybe that opportunity comes back around again. So, um, you know, those are the, those are the ones really that that kind of come to mind for me. I didn't think about South Carolina. Uh, Florida to me is kind of it, it's either or. 
Tennessee's one, though, that I, I, I would like to see Texas and Tennessee play a couple of times mm-hmm. before I leave this this mortal world. Auburn's another one that excites me just because you hear all the stories about the times in the 80s when those teams matched up and, you know, Jerry Gray running down Bo Jackson. You heard the sto- you hear the stories from those really good games mm-hmm. between those Fred Akers teams and those Pat Dye teams. I, I think that game would be a lot of fun. So Starkville isn't at the top of your list. No, no, no offense to the people in Stark Vegas, but you know, well, I mean, here's what's fun about the SEC though. Like most of these games, you can there's a there's an angle on it. Like the first time they play, right? Sure. Like with LSU, it's going to be, hey, what would have happened if you would have had a normal year in yep. 2020 and Texas would have gone to Baton Rouge? How different things for for both programs might have been at that point. Uh, South Carolina, you, I'll, I'll promote it. You got the Will Muschamp angle. There's yeah. South Carolina fans that don't. Don't think too kindly of Will Muschamp. I will not stand for any Will Muschamp slander. So you got that going on. Florida, what would have happened if they would have played in the in, for the national championship mm-hmm. at the end of the 08 season? By the way, the, part of the rumor bill rumbling I've heard is that when that first SEC schedule comes out for 24, the first SEC opponent for Texas will be Florida, and it'll be in Austin. Okay. That's that's just one of the rumors that'll be, rumblings. That, that that'll be fun. You can spin that. Auburn, I just mentioned, kind of there's there's already some history there. Mississippi State, you got the Jackie Sherrill angle yeah. and castrating animals and all this fun stuff and the cotton bowl, which honestly is a Texas fan growing up. Ole Miss, of, the turf that uh, I mean not Ole Miss Missouri. Uh, Missouri, the turf that tore up Fozzie Whitaker's knee, right? You just let Fozzie just go there. I know they've changed turf since then, but just go set fire to that thing. <laughs> Like Fozzie at one end, Henry Josie at the other. And like, all right, on three. One, two, three, and just burn it. Vanderbilt. What angle could you come up with with Vanderbilt? Uh, I don't know. That's yeah. that's that's kind of one of those. Kentucky, tri- you got a stoop still coaching. <laughs> Vanderbilt's one of those trips, Craig. People, you know, the Learfield contingent probably has that one circle because Nashville for a weekend is probably pretty uh, fun. Monels to eat. But yeah. other than that, it probably uh, probably not a whole lot, bro. But so I'm I'm looking forward to some of these rivalries, man. It's it's gonna it's gonna be fun, and not so much rivalries, but just the games, just getting to go to some of these different places. And, and Athens, yeah, yeah. It's just like Stunner said, we should at least. Get to go to Athens and Nashville out of this. You, you, don't, you don't think that Georgia fan base is tired of hearing about the Sugar Bowl? Yeah, probably so. Probably so. They've uh, won. They've won some meaningful games since then, mind you. My but, birthday twin says Vanderbilt. I'd like for baseball. See, I've said it before. Be fun. As fun as football is going to be, I'm more pumped for the baseball series that Texas will be a part of going to the SEC. Yeah, yeah. So it it, it, it could be. Uh, a lot of By the way, real quick, I didn't even know he had this. I'll slot this at Horns 24-7. Uh, my, again, my colleague Brad Crawford, who covers national college football for us at, uh, at 24-7 Sports, has a prediction for every SEC program's permanent rivals, what they're going to be. Uh, for Texas and the permanent rivals, he's got, again, A&M, Oklahoma, Arkansas. To answer that Alabama question, Craig, Brad Crawford's thinking along the same lines you are. It's Tennessee, Auburn, LSU for mm-hmm. Bama's three permanent opponents. The Aggies have Oklahoma's is interesting. Uh, Texas, obviously, you got Missouri with the old Big Eight angle, mm-hmm. and then A and M would be the other one. I, okay. I don't know if you go A and M or Arkansas there. And then for A and M, A and M would be Texas, o- OU, and Oklahoma, LSU. and Mississippi State. Okay, that's a little weird. kind of weird, but you know, I know they're both agriculture and engineering based schools that both wear purple and white i mean maroon excuse me maroon and white not purple Mar- uh, maroon and white beyond that eh, what's the pool i, I don't know but it, it's interesting though too to just look at some of these like uh which one was i just looking at arkansas 
Missouri, Texas, and Mississippi State. Mississippi State's got to play somebody. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't know what well, it Mississippi be. State would be Ole Miss. But, but you know what? A&M and Arkansas then? But you know what's interesting, though, from the A&M side on that, to, to mention, uh, you know, to look at their permanent opponents, uh, I've heard a lot of A&M fans really wanting to keep that LSU game. Yeah. I don't even know if it matters that if it's on Thanksgiving weekend or not because I'm assuming that's when the Texas game would be played. Right. But I've heard a lot of A&M fans really hoping that on an annual basis they can hang on to that LSU game. I was thinking that would that would probably be the one that would keep in there. Yeah. Okay, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower here on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Done for today. We will be back with you tomorrow. Probably, I'll say probably, without references to Teletubbies, tomorrow. I think we've done our part there. Probably. So you got dinner plans for Valentine's? Nope. I thought you said you guys were going to go out. Uh, We might. I don't know. I mean, going out to us at this point is like, hey, you want to go grab Chick-fil-A and bring it back to the house? Sure. Now that's a guy in a true romance. Uh... For our man behind the glass, our producer, Cam Parker, and for Jeff Howe, my co-host, I'm Craig White. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. Up next, Chad and Zay, and we'll visit with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here on Light the Tower.